0: Amen. Well, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, we're excited. So I'll be 52 in May, so just a little bit, just a little bit older, and uh, just turned to gr- uh, became a grandfather. Uh, March the 4th, um, Mackenzie had uh, a little girl, Felicity Rose, and so uh, so we missed her being born. James is with me. Wave everybody, at James in the back. There you go. That's James. So James has been traveling with me since January 4th. We left. Maine and went to South Carolina and North Carolina, and uh, we've been down there doing ministry and just preaching, and it's been great to see what God's been doing. We've seen uh, deliverance, salvations, healings, uh, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It's been awesome and uh, what He's been doing, and we're excited about it. So we kind of extended our trip just a little bit um, to visit with a friend in Vermont, and then we came here. So we're excited about finally getting home today. So it'd be nice to... Never more to Rome until Saturday when I leave again. But, you know, it's uh, it's always good to being on the road, but it's always good to go home. So thanks, Pastor Freddie, for allowing us to come and to preach and share the Word. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on the product table at the end. If you want to check it out, go ahead. But one of the things that our ministry does, you know, some people say, well, as an evangelist, you just kind of travel, you know, around and preach, and, and we do that. But there's a lot of things that we do in addition to that. Uh, we, we work and partner with a, a restoration home. Uh, which helps uh, guys that are addicted to drugs and alcohol to be able to get free. It's faith-based. No guy is charged to go to that. Uh, it's in Ellsworth, Maine, so we partner with them. And then also we have a school of ministry called Kingdom Builders School of Ministry. But we also have a network because we notice that there's a lot of people in the New England area and across the country that for some reason they don't want to be a part of a denomination for whatever the reason is. And so we provide uh, ordination and licensing and credentials and covering for people. I like to say covering, not smothering. Uh, So we're excited today as part of Kingdom Builders Network, we're going to be giving ministry credentials to Brian. And so I'm going to ask if Brian will come. Brian LeClaire and Ocean, you want to join him? All right. Come on up here. You can just stand here and face the people. And, uh, And John Harrison is one of our Kingdom Builders Network ministers. So John, if you'll join us. And James, come on up, and I'm just trying to see if Ernie made it back. Ernie Zamarip is one of our uh, ministers as well, so we're just going to lay hands upon them in just a moment, but we actually sent him his credentials January 1st, but we always like to take time to kind of lay hands upon people and pray over them, and so we decided to do it here in the home church. We're having our Our Kingdom Builders Network Ministers Conference, uh, May 20 and 21 in Manchester. So if anybody would like to join, all of our conferences that we do are free. Uh, We don't charge. We take up a love offering, but we don't charge for them. So Manchester, New Hampshire will be that uh, if you want to join. But we decided we would present it today in the home church. And so we're excited about the call of God that's on your life. Um, Brian uh, approached us about becoming a part, and pastor gave recommendation. He went through the application process. And so we're excited to be able to lay hands upon him as he will now be a licensed minister so he can marry and bury now. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, he's able to do that. And we're excited about that. But, you know, I'm reminded of what Isaiah the prophet was in the presence of the Lord. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he heard the Lord say, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And his response was, here my I, send me. And a lot of times we stop there. And so, okay, here am I, Lord, send me. But if you keep reading, God says, then go. And so, you know, the Lord is saying the same thing to you. You've said, here I am, Lord, use me. And now he's saying, go. So I'm excited about you going on this missions trip. I didn't know that you were going on that. We actually have two of our KBN ministers going down to work with Chris Chewworthy for a couple of weeks at the end of April into early May. So it's exciting that you're going to be on the mission field and you're going to go and you're going to share the gospel. So would you just stand with us? We're going to lay hands upon him and pray and they're going to present him his certificate. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to just gather together and to affirm and confirm the call of God that's upon Brian's life. We thank you, Lord, that greater hands than ours are resting upon him. We thank you, Father, that the gifts and the calling of God are always given without repentance, that you'll never change your mind about the call of God that's on his life. So we ask God that he will always stay sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that he will be pliable in your hands, that you'll continue to mold him and make him Lord into the minister of the gospel that you've called him to be. I pray, God, that he always realizes that his number one ministry is his home his wife, his children, and then, Lord, as from there, he ministers out to the church. I thank you, God, he's involved in ministry here at the church. And, God, you're expanding his borders. He's going on this missions trip, and we're excited, God, about what you're going to do in and through him and the team that's going. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling him. Thank you, Father, for equipping him. Thank you, God, for confirming in his heart that he's made the right decision and he said yes to you. And so, Lord, we thank you that as we lay hands upon him, That right now there's a fresh anointing that's coming upon his life and we commission him for the work of the lord in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen and amen amen give the lord some praise amen so we have this certificate of license that we present to brian leclaire and we just want to say welcome to the kingdom builders network a family of God. We're not better than anybody else, but we are different. And so we're excited about having you apart as you've already been since the beginning of the year, but we make it official now. Amen. So now your wife, just remember that she has to now call you Lord. <laughs> just as Abraham and Sarah called him Lord. Just be, no, just kidding. We understand that the husband is the head of the home, and we understand the wife is the neck that turns the head. So, hallelujah. <laughs> God bless you, man. It's good to have you here in the kingdom of God. Amen? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pull this down here a little bit, a little bit closer. Got a little illustration today. All you people sitting way on that end, I hope you can see. You should have squeezed in over from this side. Well, we'll see what we can do. Take your Bibles and turn with me real quick. Second Kings chapter 13. Second Kings chapter 13. We're living in a lot of change right now. Does anybody notice that? Lots of change taking place in the world. There's a lot of change taking place in the church, and I don't think that's always a bad thing. I think that when things grow, they'll change. Amen? Change does not always bring growth, but growth will always bring change. I'm 51 years old, soon to be 52, and I've pretty much lived my whole life in the in the church and we've seen a lot of changes taking place in the American church. Not all the changes have been good, not all of them have been bad, but there are some changes that I believe that are actually hurting our efforts. I think there are some changes that are actually hindering our growth. And I think there's some changes that are handicapping our effectiveness. And I'm not talking about you know, music styles in the church or traditional worship for contemporary. I'm not talking about man-made standards of holiness, but I think there's some foundational things that we have left in Christianity of yesteryear that I think we need to reach back and grab a hold of. So in 2 Kings chapter 13, this is the story of Elisha the prophet who has got an illness. This illness is going to take his life. King Joash comes to visit with him, and the Lord uses Elisha one last time with the prophetic word, and we pick up with verse 20. Then Elisha died and they buried him and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year And so it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones Everybody say touch the bones Touch the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood on his feet now some of you remember that Elisha He was the one who followed his predecessor, Elijah, right? And Elijah had 14 different miracles that were done through him, through the the Lord's help, through him in his life. And Elisha was told, if you'll stick with the man of God until the very end, you can have a double portion, right? So if you look at the life of Elisha, you will see that there were 27 different miracles that took place in his life. That's just one shy of exactly double. And I think that the moment that he died, I think the devil had a party that the word of the Lord failed. God did not come through in his promise. But the story that we just read tells us that a dead man came to life when he touched the bones of Elisha. Now that brings the miracle tally up to what? 28. Exact double of what God said. Folks, I'm telling you, God is not mocked, and you need to know that God always keeps his word. He will never fail in his promises to you. You never have to doubt anything that God declares. Amen? He's never late. He's always on time. But what I want us to see from this scripture is how something that was once dead came alive when it touched some old bones. So I brought a friend to church today. It's not much of a talker, but he is a great listener. He's been traveling with us for three months, and he's a great listener. Now listen, this skeleton is just a representation of foundational things in our life, just like a foundation is to a building, so our skeleton is to our body, right? Everything's kind of connected to it. And there are some things in our modern day Christianity, our modern preaching that we're missing today. There's some things that we have left in Christianity of yesteryear that I think we need to reach back and touch those old bones and see them revived in our life, in our preaching, in our churches. So to make this a little bit easier for you to remember the points today, there's five things we need to reach back and touch. So if you want to be taking notes, the first letter of each line is going to spell out the word bones, B-O-N-E-S. So the first thing we have to reach back and touch is we have to reach back and touch the old bones of believing God again believing God again. Now that sounds kind of strange. I mean, isn't faith supposed to be a foundation of Christianity? Yeah. But do you understand how much doubt and disbelief and fear has permeated most of our churches today in America? Even our spirit-filled churches? I stand amazed, just amazed at the lack of believing God in our churches today. If COVID did one thing, it, was, it has revealed to us how much doubt and disbelief and fear is in the churches of America. Because way too many churches, pastors, Christians individually, they believe the news over the word of God. They believe doctors over the word of God. They believe what man has said over what God has said. But folks, we've got to reach back and touch these old bones of believing God again. Amen? We've got to get a firm grasp on the reality that God's word cannot lie cannot lie. You know, so many of our Christians today in America, we seem to have lost the ability to stand firm on the word of God and believe it. You know, people say, why do we see so many miracles in foreign countries, but not in America? Like over to Africa or these South American nations. I mean, these people are, they're seeing miraculous things take place. I'll tell you why. They don't have a plan B. See, if God don't come through, well, we'll go get it on the credit card. God don't come through, we'll get the loan ourselves. God don't come through, I'll take this pill, I'll have this surgery. We always have a plan B. As long as you've got a plan B, go ahead, do it. God will let you do it. And we have gotten away from standing firm on the word of God and believing him no matter what. We call that faith. Jesus asked the question that when the Son of Man comes back again in Luke 18, would he actually find faith left on the earth? Folks, I'm telling you, we are not living in a day and age where you want to lack faith. This is a day and age that we stand in faith. The Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we've got so many Christians that are living in doubt, defeat, depression, discouragement. Why? Because they're not standing in faith. They're believing what the doctor says, the news says, the government says, but they're not believing what the Word of God says. Folks, we've got to get back to believing Jesus, believing His Word, and standing firm on His Word. The songwriters said it well when they penned the words, Faith in God will move a mighty mountain. Faith in God will calm the troubled sea. Faith will make the desert like a fountain. Faith will bring the victory. Folks, we've got to get back to the book, and we've got to get back to believing what the Bible declares. Amen? The Bible says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. That means God's word is giving you enough light to see the next step. It's not always a spotlight, so you can see 100 yards away. It's enough light to see the next step. And we've got all of these Christians stumbling around, tripping themselves up. Why? They're not in the word of God enough to get the light for the next step. Amen? So we've got to get back to believing God again. Can somebody just shout, believe again? believe again? Let me move on. We've got to reach back and touch the old bones, the letter O, of obeying the Spirit. Obeying the Spirit. I can't tell you how many times the Spirit of God gets quenched. Even in our spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic churches, the the Spirit of God is getting quenched. There are some leaders that think that they can carry out the work of the church in their own strength, their own power, their own charisma, their own ability, their own doctrine. But I'll tell you what, Zachariah said it best when he said, It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. we got to get back to obeying the Spirit of God not only hear his voice, but obey his voice. Amen? We can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. Now, listen, I've grown up in Christianity all my life. I'm prenatal Pentecost. Amen? I was going to Pentecostal church before I ever entered the world. Amen? I grew up with my teeth being chewed on the back of the pew, falling asleep on Sunday nights underneath the pew. I mean, been there, done that. And I'm telling you what, there was a time in our churches where we obeyed the Spirit. When Christians came to church, they knew that they needed to have an ear to hear with the Spirit of God. And let me tell you what, we weren't tied to a clock, we weren't tied to a program, we weren't tied to a crockpot. We just let the Holy Ghost have His way. People came expecting that the Spirit of God would speak, they would obey. Maybe they would stand up and give an impromptu testimony, maybe somebody would... Do a song, they didn't even rehearse or practice, but they just felt led to sing a song. Maybe they broke out in holy laughter. Maybe they danced in the Spirit. They might have been used in the gift of the Spirit. They might have went running to the altar for deliverance. Maybe the preacher didn't even preach because the Spirit of God was moving. But Christians knew if God speaks, obey. Now, all things being done decently and in order, right? We like to quote that let everything be done decent and in order. Well, my goodness, at least let it be done. We're focused so much on the decent in order that we're not having anything done, amen? So we gotta get back to allowing the Spirit of God to speak and obey. And you know what? We've got some Spirit filled churches that are led by pastors who are telling the people, listen, the gifts of the Spirit won't be in operation by you all to be by us on the platform. Like we're the select few, we're the only ones who can do that. Well, first of all, that's not Jesus, it's not the heart of the Father, right? The church is the body of Christ, it's made up of many members, and we have to value those members, and God uses all of us, amen? Amen. Not just the leaders. And I know some pastors, they're concerned, but what if the people, you know, what if they get it wrong? You know, what if they prophesy something weird, or say something that's wrong, or whatever? You know, well, I don't know, do your job as a pastor and lovingly correct them and help them learn how to grow in the gift of the Spirit, Amen? amen? Because let me tell you what, ministers don't get it always right. Come on! I've heard ministers saying, "We've heard some crazy stuff." Haven't we? You know, we know where all the bodies are buried. I mean, we've heard some—we've heard some crazy stuff that ministers said. God said, and buddy, God was hundred miles away from that. So we got to reach back and touch these old bones of obeying the Spirit. Now, listen—he may—he may direct you to actually pray for somebody outside of church. Imagine that! Imagine that! actually praying for somebody outside of church. He may direct you to start being using a gift that you got, a talent that you had right. that you kind of kept hidden. You don't want anybody to know about it. Right. He may be saying, you know what? You need to start doing that, yeah. right? He may say you want to increase your giving to the church, support one of these projects. Whatever he's saying, you just need to do. Isn't that what Mary said to the servants at the wedding of Cana? Whatever he tells you to do, yeah. just do it, amen? Listen, don't resist him. Don't quench him. Don't refuse him. Let's obey him. Amen. And listen, God's been speaking to some people. It's time to get back to church. I said this on this morning when we were actually streaming. So those that aren't in church, it, we got to get back to church. Come on, this, this, oh, I'm so afraid of COVID. Come on. Anything that you do motivated out of fear is a sin. Because the Bible says that which is not a faith is sin. And if you can go to Walmart, you can go to church. If you can go to a friend's house. You can go to God's house. You can go to a restaurant, you can go to church. Come on. Viruses live there just like they live everywhere else. I mean, it's amazing. We can go out in a football stadium, of, you know, the Super Bowl. Look at all those hundreds of thousands of people at the Super Bowl. Nobody's wearing a mask, but no viruses live there. They only live in the church, right? It's the only place they live. No, no, no. Folks, we've got to overcome that fear, and we've got to obey what the Spirit of God is saying and get back to church. Amen? Amen. Let me move on to the letter N. We've got to reach back and touch the old bones of necessary prayer. I say necessary prayer because it's not really optional in the life of a believer. It's necessary. Amen? We need prayer. We have to have prayer. It's something that we just can't get away from. But a recent survey was done and found that that only 31% of Christians actually say they pray daily. Only 31%. And they wonder why their life is so powerless. You know, we've got a lot of churches that have stopped teaching people how to pray. I don't know why. Prayer doesn't always come natural to everybody. You know, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And and, and you don't usually have classes going on to teach people how to pray. Or, check this out, a lot of churches don't even give opportunity for people to come together and pray together. They've eliminated the prayer meetings. Now, if you have a pizza movie night, everybody shows up. But if you have a prayer meeting, only two or three come. Right? Come on. All these churches that are being built or being remodeled. They all seem to have a coffee center, but nobody has a prayer room. Folks, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer prayer. We got to get back to prayer. We got to reach back and touch these old bones of necessary prayer because it's not our last resort. It is our first priority. Yeah, it is our communication line with Jesus. Prayer is a, is positive. It's powerful. It's productive. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And listen, if Jesus would often have to seclude himself to find strength and wisdom in prayer, how much more do you and I need it? We need it even more. Amen. And let me tell you what, Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to preach, how to sing, how to take up an offering or organize a meeting, but he did teach them how to pray. Folks, a prayerless church is a powerless church, and a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. We've got to begin to revive the prayer meetings once again, and we've got to reach back and touch these old bones of necessary prayer if we're ever going to succeed. Because I'll tell you what, without prayer, the message we preach will fall on deaf ears. The devil doesn't fear our policies, our programs, or our procedures, but he does fear our prayers. Isn't it funny how we can do everything in our Christian walk but pray? I mean, we'll talk about prayer. We'll sing about prayer. Sing about the sweet hour of prayer, right? We'll read books about prayer. We'll even go to conferences about prayer. But nobody wants to pray because the devil knows that when we start to pray, something starts to happen. Prayer is God's way of releasing God's power on the earth. It binds Satan and it shackles the demonic cords. It loosens angels to begin to do their assignment here on the earth. Now, there's a lot more I could say about prayer, but we just have to stop talking about it and actually start doing it. Amen? Let me move on. We have to reach back and touch the old bones, letter E, expressing love. Expressing love. Now, that saying sounds kind of strange. I mean, isn't the whole gospel message a message of love? Well, that's true but my question is this why is it does it seem like so many christian believers today can be some of the most mean hateful slanderous backbiting vengeful people you have ever met why is that why does it seem so many of our christians today get easily hurt easily offended and will easily attack people for no reason i mean you say the wrong thing "Ah, i'm not going to that church anymore Pastor didn't shake my hand. Pastor didn't eat the potato salad I made at the potluck. I mean, they're just easily offended about every little thing. Folks, Jesus warned us about this in Matthew 24. He said this would be one of the signs of his coming. He says, the love of many believers will grow cold. And then Paul comes along in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he says, here's what the last day's church is going to look like. He was not describing the world. He was saying, here's what the church is going to look like. He said, they will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, blasphemers, disobedient. They'll be unthankful, unholy unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. They'll be brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and they'll have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. Folks, you don't have to be in the church long in America today to see this is exactly what's happening. Come on. We love the world more than we love God, Mm -hmm. and it it reflects in our Christian life. Come on. Don't look, at, don't look at me like that. That's not you. I'm telling you. We, we can sit here and get on TikTok for an hour, but we can't spend a minute in prayer. We can binge watch Netflix, but we can't spend any time with the Lord. Huh? If I say, hey, man, we're going to be doing this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Man, can you come? Sure. Don't you check my calendar? I can be there. But boy, when playing church, you know, oh, I don't know if we can do that. You know, the kids have soccer. They have blah, blah, blah. Huh? It's really about priority and what we want to do. Folks, I'm telling you, we've got to reach back and touch these old bones of expressing love. We've got to get to the place where we're loving one another. You not think about the early church and how they loved one another. They loved one another. They loved one another so much so that they would sell property and possessions to make sure that other people had something. They would actually give themselves into slavery so other people could go free. They would volunteer to go to the Colosseum and face the lions so other people could go free. Folks, I'm telling you, you can lose your love. Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. Now, if you can't lose it, why do you have to keep yourself in it? So you can lose it. You can lose your love. And some of us have gotten out of the lane of love, and we've gotten in the lane of legalism. Now we're walking around judging everybody because their life doesn't seem to line up with what I think a Christian should be. Or they've gotten into the lane of lawlessness, where I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want, go wherever I want, and I'm under grace. No, we've got to get out of the lane of legalism, get out of the lane of lawlessness, and get back in the lane of love. Amen? Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another. What does that look like? 1 Corinthians 13. It'll tell you what love looks like. Love suffers long and is kind. Come on, some of us just got to get back to some good old-fashioned kindness. Amen? Love doesn't envy. Check this out. Love doesn't parade itself around and get puffed up. I mean, you may be God's gift to the church, but you don't have to act like it. Amen? Love doesn't behave rudely. Oh, we could stop and preach there for a while. You know, some of the stuff that we post on social media is kind of rude. And, you know, another way of being rude is always sharing your opinion with everybody else. Huh? You know, you don't have to share your opinions with everybody. You know, opinions are like armpits. We all have a couple, and they usually stink. So, so sometimes we just need to kind of keep our opinions to ourselves. Amen? Let me jump ahead. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Hello? Can we please stop talking about how Sister Bucketmouth hurt you 10 years ago? Can we please stop keeping a tally of all the wrong things that pastor's done? Can we please just stop uh, with the unforgiveness and the grudges against our brothers and sisters in Christ and just get back to loving one another? Huh? love one another. The Bible says they'll know we're Christians by our love. Folks, how we treat people is telling the sinner more about our God than our sermons ever will. And we've got to start walking in the spirit of love. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me move on. Look at your neighbor and say, love you. All right. Let me move on. Last one. We got to reach back and touch the old bones of spirit-filled living, spirit-filled living living. I know that there are some people in the body of Christ in America today and around the world that are under the persuasion that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for today, that it died with the apostles, blah, 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 blah. Well, this point really isn't to them. I mean, I think they're missing out on a great empowering life-changing experience, but I'm not really directing this point at them. I'm kind of directing this point at the very large, growing number of saints in our Pentecostal Spirit-filled churches that are not spirit-filled, and they're not seeking to be spirit-filled. And folks, I I can't even understand that. Why would you not want to receive Holy Ghost empowerment for Christian living? Huh? Why wouldn't you? It's like when we leave here today, if if all of us today, when we left, have to go to California, as much as you might not want to. Let's just say we all have to go to California. And the only two modes of transportation that's available to you is a 10-speed bike or a stretch limousine. You get to pick one which one are you going to take? I know some of you want to be all go. I'm going to take the 10-speed bike. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've been over the Rockies five times. Yeah, you're not taking the 10-speed bike. <laughs> you're going to want to take that stretch limo. Why? It's got more power. The ride's going to be a lot more comfortable. Now, listen, both will get you, get, both will get you there. I mean, you will eventually get there on the 10-speed bike, but it's going to be a lot more work. And folks, that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you what, you might as well get plugged in to the power that God has available for you, amen? Listen, Jesus knew his disciples needed this Holy Ghost power, and he told them, don't go start the church. Don't go do it until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they tarried in Jerusalem, and they were endued with power from on high. And then Paul comes along in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 18, and he says, Be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's not a one-and done. Some of you got filled in 1973 and you haven't yabba-dabba-dood since. But we're to be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. and when you look at the verb tense of the sentence structure, it is not a suggestion, it is a command. Even Jesus was filled with the Spirit as an example for us. When we are Spirit-filled, we are more equipped to be like Christ. We're more effective in walking out our calling. When we're Spirit-filled, we're more energized to witness. We will find it easier to eradicate the works of the flesh. Now, let me say this. Every Christian possesses the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost doesn't possess every Christian. There's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the infilling of the Spirit. The indwelling of the Spirit, you get at salvation. But there's another experience called the infilling of the Spirit that we need. And we've got to reach back and touch these old bones of Spirit-filled living. Why? Because being Spirit-filled will help you obey the will of God. It'll help you experience abundant life. It'll help you to engage in effective service for Jesus. And let me tell you what, it'll help you not to backslide. Yeah. It'll help you to live a life of great fruitfulness. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, begin to seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Begin to desire it. It's a gift that he will give to you. Amen. If the church is going to triumphantly arise in these last days, we've got to reach back and touch these old bones. Amen. The old bones of believing God again. The old bones of obeying the spirit. The old bones of necessary prayer. The old bones of expressing love. And the old bones of spirit filled living. That dead man was revived when his dead body touched the old bones of the prophet. And I'm telling you, there's areas in our life, areas of our church that are dying or even dead that need to be revived once again. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me as the worship team comes? Up on this table are little plastic bones, and it just has the word B-O-N-E-S, bones, on it. This is for you to take. This is your keepsake, remembrance, whatever you want to do with it. But here's how I feel like I want us to end the service because whatever of these five I spoke on, I believe if all of us are honest, if we're honest, the Holy Spirit put his finger on at least one, at least one, whether it's believing God again, you've not been believing God for your finances, for your healing, for your marriage, you've not been believing God for loved ones, for your city getting saved, you're just not standing on the word like you used to. Maybe it's the obeying the spirit part. Maybe you're disobeying what God's been saying. He's been speaking to you, right? I've had Christians, when I used to pastor, I'd have Christians say to me, you know, Pastor Tim, God's been dealing with me for six months that I should do this. I'm like, really? You've been living in rebellion for six months? God shouldn't have to deal with us. If He's having to deal with us, it's because He's not our Lord. He may be our Savior, but He's not our Lord. Because when the Master says, do, you do. Right? When the Lord says, do... Yes, Your Majesty, you obey. We don't do this well. I'm going to just wait. No, no, that's rebellion. Some of us need to say, No, I got to confess. I've not obeyed the Spirit, and I need to repent of that, and I need to start obeying. Some of you need to get back to prayer. Come on. You need to get back to prayer. It's necessary. It's necessary. You got to get back to prayer. Some of you are going to have to start expressing love. Come on, you've been expressing all kinds of stuff, but it hasn't been very loving. Huh? Some of us, we got we to gotta get back to being spirit-filled. Some of you talked in tongues many years ago, but I'm telling you, you got to stir that up. Amen? Well, Tim, do I need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I'm telling you, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. You know what I mean? Especially if you shop at the Walmart I shop at. Come on. I need the Holy Ghost in this day and age. I need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I'm telling you, He'll warn you of stuff. We live in a crazy world today. There's some people alive today because on September 11th, 2001, they heard the Holy Spirit say, don't go to work. And they worked at the Twin Towers. And because they heard the Holy Spirit say it and they obeyed the Spirit, they're alive today. I'm telling you, we got to get back to praying in the Spirit, seeing miracles take place because we're praying in the Spirit. Amen? So whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on, here's how I want us to end. I want us all to be able to just come up, And just real quick, just touch this skeleton anywhere, just as a point of contact. God, I'm just, I'm touching, symbolically, I'm touching the old bones. Then I want you to pick up one of these and then just find a place, whether it be at your seat or up front or wherever, just find a place and just begin to have a talk with Jesus. And whatever it is that he's put his finger on, would you just begin to take care of? Would you do that as the worship team begins to sing? And don't everybody move at once. If I would ask the question today, how many of you honestly, with all of your heart, believe that Jesus is coming back in your lifetime? That you, except for an accident or a sickness, you're not gonna close your eyes in death. You're gonna go up in the rapture. You really believe he's coming? I I believe that. I believe that. With the configurations of the nations and things that are happening, I believe he's coming. I believe he's coming very quickly. My question is, what kind of church is he coming for? A fear-filled church? I think he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle, right? Folks, I'm telling you there is so much fear in the church. I believe 2020 was God allowing things to happen to get us to use faith to overcome the fear of the unknown. 2021, God was getting us to use faith to overcome the fear of sickness and disease. 2022, God is wanting us to use faith to overcome the fear of finances because everything's going up, up, up. But I don't live by the earth's economy, I live by heaven's economy. Come on, God's trying to get his bride ready for his return. And if we really think that he's coming soon, and I do believe he is, there's a lot of work that has to take place in the church especially the North American church. And I know it's great for us to pray, oh God, send revival, send revival, send revival. But folks, where does revival start? You draw a circle on the floor and then you step in it, that's where it starts. Because we are the church. And if we want revival, then we have to revive ourselves. I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again. If I would say to you guys, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. One of the things you might say to me is, well, Tim, what are you Eating. Right? I mean, what are you eating? Let me hear what you're eating, and we'll see if we can figure it out. And if I tell you, well, I'm eating three boxes of Little Debbie Snack Cakes a day, two gallons of ice cream, six bags of potato chips, and about 12 Big Macs every day. But I can't figure out why I'm not losing weight. None of you would say, man, that's a brain scratcher, I don't know either. You should probably see a doctor, because I can't possibly figure out why you're not losing weight. None of us would be that stupid, would we? We would say, well, let me tell you why you're not losing weight. <laughs> because you're eating three boxes of Little Debbie cakes and two gallons of ice cream. What you're consuming is causing the problem. Now, can I just spiritualize that? Why am I not living a victorious Christian life? Why is it seems like nothing goes right for me? Why can't I ever get ahead of my finances? Why does everybody else get their prayers answered? Why am I I'm always battling with depression and all this stuff? What are you eating? Because if you're swiping on TikTok for an hour, binge watching Netflix, but you spend no time with God, no time in the word, no time in prayer, you're not faithful in your finances to God, insanity is doing the same thing you've always done and expecting different results. Folks, if we want to see a change in the church, we've got to see a change in us. Amen? Because we are in a situation right now in the American church where too many people would rather die for Jesus and live for self than to die to self and live for Jesus. That's exactly where we are. I don't doubt that our churches are full of people that love God, but I'll tell you what, they love something more than they love God, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Well, Pastor, I'm telling you, I'd give up my life for Jesus. That's great. Could you just come to church faithfully? Huh? Could you just be faithful in your finances? Could you just be faithful in spending time in the word? Look, if you want certain results, the guys that go to the gym, how many of you guys go to the gym and work out? Huh? Just none of you. Okay, that explains a lot, okay. All right. You ask any bodybuilder, you ask any bodybuilder, how do you maintain that physique? It's not, I go to the gym on Monday. I might miss four days. I might catch it on Friday. I'm um, two days the next week. And maybe maybe then another day. No. Inconsistency lies your power. You see, that's part of our problem. We're not consistent. We're not consistent. So we're not seeing what we want to see. But if we'll reach back and touch some old bones, if we'll just reach back and touch these five bones, I'm telling you, we will revolutionize the church of America. Amen. We can turn the world upside down. Jesus just needed 12 and one of them bailed. And they turned the world upside down in less than a generation. Now, either God's power has waned and we're serving a false God, or we're not doing something that we need to be doing. Amen? So, I'm challenging you reach back, touch those bones, shake yourself of lethargy, complacency, all of that stuff, and step up, man up, and say, Look, today is the day. I got to start making Jesus the Lord of my life and not just the Savior of my soul. It's time that I grow up, right? For God's sake, grow up. It's for his sake that we've got to grow and mature in the things of the Lord. And you and I, we're the only ones that can do that. I can't grow up for you. You can't grow up for me. But we can do it for ourselves. Amen?